Chapter Ten of the Submarine Boys Trial Trip. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Submarine Boys Trial Trip by Victor G. Durham. Chapter Ten: A Race for Mixed Prizes. As the moon's ray vanished behind a cloud, Jacob Farnum was breathing hard. Nor was it any wonder that the boatbuilder felt staggered with astonishment. He had grown to trust Captain Jack to the utmost. Now to find him faithless came like a heavy blow on the head. To this man's ears came Don's low but clear-cut tones. You'll keep your eyes open, won't you, Benson, and... Bring us all the points you can, anything that you think will be useful to us. The boy in uniform nodded. Though the boatbuilder could not see the uniform one's face very well, he observed that nod, as did Messrs. Emerson and Melville. You don't want to have any one see us here together, then, went on Don. So, Scoot, you know how to communicate with me when you want to. That's all. Don waved his hand as a signal of dismissal. The other boy, with a nod, turned to make his way off. No, by the great porpoise, that isn't all. The word shouted with a tremendous energy behind them, caused some of the other hearts to bound. Jacob Farnham, his blood now boiling, found himself unable to contain himself any longer. As he shouted out, he burst through the bushes, making a beeline for the departing boy in uniform. Don Melville gasped in sheer dismay. Yet he had the presence of mind to yell, Scoop, Benson, travel as fast as you can. Then Don ran a few steps in the opposite direction. Young Melville was a very fair sprinter, but he wanted to have a bit of a start in case of need. Melville, you scoundrel, I'll settle with you later, roared Jacob Barnum, keeping on down the road. Straight in the middle of the road, the fugitive was now dashing along until Don yelled after him. Take to the woods, Benson. You can lose him there. I'll get him anywhere on earth, shouted Jacob Farnum, full of purpose and vim. The boatbuilder was long-legged and slim. He had been a runner at college, and now his own knack was coming back to him. Undoubtedly the most humiliated man present was George Melville. Though that capitalist had not been averse to stopping to the purchase of cigarettes from another man's trusted employee, he felt badly indeed to have Farnham detect his son. So George Melville now came out quickly from cover. Don, he demanded, how could Farnham ever have gotten wind of this? Talk it over with Mr. Emerson, panted Don Melville. I'm off after Benson and Farnham. With that, Don put on his own sprinting abilities to the test, dashing into the woods at the point where he had seen the others vanish. Though it flashed through George Melville's head that Broughton Emerson must have given information to the rival boatbuilder. The elder Melville did not stop to question Mr. Emerson. Instead, the father, who was rather heavy, started off puffily in the wake of his son. This looks like ticklish business, George Melville told himself, and Don, though usually self-contained, is hot enough of temper at a time like this to make matters pretty bad for all of us. Waiting to see the matter through, Broughton Emerson kept a little to the rear of the other capitalists. 
It was a curious Indian file that stretched out through the woods, with the uniformed boy in the lead. "'You might as well stop,' yelled Jacob Barnum, after the fugitive. "'I'm going to catch you anyway.' It looked that way indeed. Dark as it was, with the moon behind a cloud, the running boy looked back over his shoulder. He could see the enraged boat-builder coming after him at great stride. Mr. Farnham was soon so close upon the heels of his quarry that he could all but reach out his hand and grasp the boy's collar. But just then the boy went down to earth, instantly rolling himself as nearly into a ball as he could. Jacob Farnham, unable to stop in time, tripped and fell over the fugitive, plunging head first into a clump of bushes and scratching himself. With a jubilant laugh, the boy in uniform was up again and off. He got a good start, but the boat-builder, after listening a few seconds and getting the sounds of flight, bounded off once more in the right direction. Don had halted precipitately when he saw the tumble, but now he too darted forward once more. Farnum can catch him, shivered Don. I've got to beat hand to help out in a lightning rescue. Mr. Farnum did some tall running before he again came in sight of the runner ahead. Yet the pursuit had not reached its finish. The fugitive suddenly dived through a fringe of bushes going out of sight. Mr. Farnum reached the spot, then halted, looking undecided, almost bewildered. There was now no sound to guide the pursuer. "'Confound him, he's gotten away,' muttered the boatbuilder impatiently to himself. Yet he did not dare risk running forward in any direction, for fear of getting further from his quarry. Don Melville halted, too, chuckling softly to himself. "'Oh, you!' snorted Farnham, glancing back over his shoulder in high disgust. Don chuckled again. Just then the sound of the stealthy moving feet came to the boatbuilder's ears. Don, in his glee, had lost the chance to make so much noise with his own feet that the other boy could steal softly away undetected. Without a word now, the boatbuilder sprang forward. As he advanced, he heard the running of the uniformed boy, plainly enough, and a moment later came in sight. Now Jacob Farnham, though not much given to making empty threats, decided to try the effect of a ruse. "'You! You ahead!' he shouted. "'Stop, or I'll send some lead after you. Do you want me to fire?' Swift as thought, Don Melville, again in pursuit at the rear, yelled, "'Don't mind him, Benson. Scoot! He hasn't any gun.' "'If some fairy only would take care of that snake in the grass behind me,' quivered Mr. Farnham silently. Having the uniformed boy plainly in sight, though some hundred or more feet ahead, Farnham by no means felt like giving up the race. All the same, the boat-builder, long out of practice in athletics, was beginning to feel severely the effects of this chase over the rough ground and through bushes. "'I've got to die or get him,' muttered Farnham, doggedly, between his teeth. Oh, for a little light on this cloudy night. If I could be sure the fellow is or isn't Benson, I might be more willing to drop this pace. Putting on a better spurt as a last desperate resort, Farnham did all in his powers to overtake the uniformed boy. He seemed likely enough to do it, would have done it, no doubt, but for a new trick on the part of the enemy. Don Melville, 
seeing how matters were going and being in much better training increased his own burst of speed running as softly as possible then with an exalted cry don leaped upon the back of jacob barnum catching him around the neck and bearing him to the ground run benson cheered the young melville he'll never catch you now end of chapter ten recording by kenneth sergeant gagan